a family who come to faith in Christ. There was a couple that was very instrumental in reaching me for Jesus. They got in my face and they said, boy, you're going back to school and you're going to graduate from high school and you're going to go to night school and don't you show up at church without doing your night school because you're going to get it. So I said, you're going to speak two languages. You're going to read your Bible in English and in Spanish and you're going to preach and you're not telling us no because the Holy Spirit said that's what you're going to do. And then they said, oh, so where are you going to college? Well, I wasn't going to college. Yes, you are because the Holy Ghost said you're going to college. <laughs> We're sending you to college and they sent me to school and Help me with my school and all my loans. And if it wasn't for my home church, I wouldn't be here. Uh, thank, thankful for their ministry into my life. But Blackie, the husband, Blackie and Mickey, Mickey the wife, you met Mickey. Blackie was, before coming to faith in Christ, he was heavily addicted to heroin and, and, uh, and alcohol. And, and I said, Blackie, how'd you come to faith in Jesus? He said, well, my wife used to nag me all the time. And she would take my rolling paper and she'd write on it, try Jesus, try Jesus. And I'd and I roll up my paper all the time and say, Jesus was good this morning, baby. Thank you very much. But she kept doing that, and one day it just got to me, and I just got convicted. And it led me to go to Teen Challenge, which is Life Challenge. It led me to go to Teen Challenge. I gave my life to Christ, and I've never been the same since. I am indebted to the ministry of Teen Challenge and what God's doing through them. And with that, I'd like for you to welcome with me Pastor Jeff. Who will introduce their ministry. Amen. Here you go, Thank you. <laughs> well, good morning. <coughs> Either you guys had your Wheaties mm -hmm. or you really like God. <laughs> and I think it's the latter. Man, you like God, and I was telling Pastor Carlos, these people like each other. Yeah. <laughs> and the telltale sign that you like God is that you like each other. I mean, we can't not like each other and say that we like God, but enough of that, man. It's just great to be with you. Uh, my name is Jeff Bonzelar, as Pastor Carlos mentioned. I serve as the Executive Director of Life Challenge Ministries, where I have been for the last 30 years. I actually grew up at a Teen Challenge. You know, you got preacher's kids and missionary kids. I'm a Teen Challenge kid. And it happened in a service like this back in the early 70s. My mom and dad were newly converted. I was probably 8, 9 at the time. And um, a group like this came and a couple of students that were in the program told about their story in Christ and how Jesus met them and how their lives had changed. Well, my mom and dad were so blown away that they did a fatal thing. I say this tongue-in-cheek. My dad began volunteering for the local teen challenge. Muskegon, Michigan. I'm from Michigan, so we always get our hand out, okay? Muskegon, west side <laughs> of the state. And after two years, my dad left a successful career. I was age 11. I've got younger sisters. And we moved in, literally, to a teen challenge. My dad uh, had no experience with ministry, nothing. He just had a call of God in his life to help people that were broken and messed up. And so uh, I grew up at any given time with 28 older sisters. And then I had my own younger sisters. So, you know, I had my own issues, okay, going on. But I saw firsthand what God could do in people that were bound and broken. And um, at a very young age, God called me into Teen Challenge Ministry. I mean, what else is there to do with your life, right? And so after schooling, we shared the same school, Southeastern University and Seminary. I uh, joined the ranks of Detroit Teen Challenge. That's what it was called then, back in 1988. And it's been 30 years plus, and I love what I do because I get to see the difference that God can make in people who say, I just can't do this thing called life by myself. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not networked enough. I need help. And God changes life. Whoa. Now that's cute. Andrea's going to sing with her little girl with us. Love it. What's, what's her name, by the way? Justice. Hi, Justice. How you doing? She's thinking about it. By the way, these men and women uh, come from all walks of life. These are just a portion of the men and women that are in our program. Uh, addiction is not a respecter of persons. It's not those people on the other side of the tracks these men and women could be your sons, daughters. They could be your nephews and nieces, 
They could be your brothers and sisters. In fact, this, you, you heard me do this at the beginning of last service. How many of you are presently, how many of you presently are in recovery? Raise your hand. Look around, Pastor Carlos. Is that all? How many of you struggle once in a while with pride, ego? Sometimes anger, bitterness, a little resentment. No one wants to admit gluttony or let alone laziness. I've never seen, you know, lazy anonymous, okay? We've all got some set of besetting sins, some attachments that rob us from the freedom that God has for us. It may not be drugs or alcohol. That's the presenting symptom that, you know, gets most of these men and women in our doors. But, you know, there's only two kinds of people, those in recovery and those who need to be in recovery. So let's just level the playing field right now. We're all broken and messed up. We've all got our go-to, you know, attachments, and we're all in the process of being redeemed. I was saved 45 years ago. I am saved, and I'm still being saved. You know, there's still stuff that needs saving. I, I'm going to preach later, okay? But I want to introduce you to some of our men and women. As I said, uh, they could be your family, okay? They could be your friends. I've got moms behind me. I've got dads. I've got people that need to get it together, and they know that, not just for their sake, but for the people that are counting on them. And we're going to start with Adam. Come here. Anybody know this young man? So, Adam, first of all, you've got to uh, introduce a few fine people that you know in this uh, great assembly. Um, okay, I'll start down here. I have my sister Chevy, my sister Jen, my dad, my nephew, my brother Tim, my niece, um, Anna, um, my mom, Ellen. Um, you know, you try this under pressure, okay? There's, there's other people. Don't, don't, be, don't be offended, but... Adam's got his peeps here. Um, Adam, uh, let's just start, for those who don't know some of the vitals, how old are you? 32. 32. How long you been in the program? Um, over 10 months. And um, give us a little of your history now. What, what, what kind of life, you know, were you living? What was going on before you came here? Okay, um, I would describe it as um, a lot of reckless decision-making, um, crime, violence, drugs, addiction, um, no hope. Why? Why a life of reckless decision-making? Um, I believe I was trying to lean on my own understanding and trying to depend on myself, and um, I, I believe that was this whole reason. Unhappy, angry, what? Um, no, I would say it's, I mean, it started with just social, but it ended up, you know, um, yeah, I ended up bitter, angry. So uh, you got yourself in quite a, a, a fix, quite a hole, uh, before you came to us. Uh, as you were sharing last service, you overdosed? Yeah, it started out with, um, you know, less of drugs and drinking, and it led to an opiate addiction for a long time, over 10 years, I would say. And I ended up doing uh, fentanyl for a long time. Um, I ended up in jail again, a little short term of incarceration, and I got out. I was clean again for a little while, thought I could do it on my own, and I overdosed again. I ended up in the hospital. What do you tell somebody who says, um, knock it off, just stop. This is killing you and everybody in your path. Um, I would tell them to listen to I would tell them to listen to my Listen to your story. Why didn't you do it? I'm sorry, say it again. Why couldn't you just stop? Um, I, I just, I had, I had no hope. I didn't have a, I didn't have a reason, you know, to stop. I, d I didn't know any better, I don't, I don't think. I'm not trying to put Adam on the spot. Uh, none of us can do life on our own. Like I just said, we're not strong enough, smart enough, networked enough. And whether it has to do with drugs or or, you know, HGTV or what's the other sh shopping network or, you know. Some of us were addicted. We just want to get an Amazon present every day. 
You know, when we arrive. I'm serious. You know, we can't stop these things. We can't knock it off on our own. And so you're winding further and further up into a, a, a hole. You wind up overdosing, and you started to, to think, maybe I can't pull this off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say I think it started the day that I woke up in the emergency room, and I seen the look on my nephew's face and my sister, and I, uh, I decided I needed help then. I ended up... Um, what what, what kind of look did you see on their faces? Um, well, I'll start by saying there was a, a few recent deaths that were very close in our family, so I didn't want to be the next one. It was disappointment, I would say. Disappointment. So you see their faces and uh, what that caused you to do? Um, I reached out for help. I wanted to go to a rehab, so I, um, I called my brother. I asked him if he could give me a ride to a rehab. He had a little bit different um, idea. He wanted me to stay with him for a few weeks, and uh, he had an idea. He had a home care. rehab, huh? Yeah. yeah. At first. Yeah, so he, I was going to stay with him for a while, and he uh, brought up Life Challenge. Did you know anything about Life Challenge? Absolutely not. What did he tell you about Life Challenge? Um, he told me that it was faith-based, and that was what I need. So uh, you're with him a few weeks, and then tell us how the men of this church came into uh, the picture. Um, I would say there was, there was a few men of this church that represented God's kingdom to the fullest, and they poured their heart out to me. I didn't know at the, at the time. I didn't know why, but they, um, they were just willing to help me with anything I needed. They shared their stories with me. They, um, they just poured their hearts out to me. They were willing to help me with anything. They even, you know, one of the guys paid for me to come here. I remember wondering, why are these guys helping me? And, you know, like, I don't understand it. But I remember thinking I would like to have what they have towards one another. Did you hear what he just said? I'd like to have what they have toward one. Who, who was part of that group in this service? Ray, raise your hand. I know, Pat, Tim, you're, you, you, and then who else? Any, any of the other guys? Okay. Okay. So uh, that kind of got you curious, man. I think I want some of this faith-based, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, re- I reluctantly, I um, you know, I ended up going, and um, I decided, yeah, that's what I want to do. I'm gonna go to Detroit to get clean, which kind of sounds funny, but it worked. <laughs> so what was your experience like? I mean. Um, as I understand it, uh, not a whole lot of church in your history for you personally. Um, yeah, I wasn't like raised in a you know in a church. I didn't. I don't really have a church background. So. So what was it like coming into this faith-based program? Um, difficult. I would say difficult. I still had you know um, a rebellion heart inside of me, rebellion characteristics. So I got. In trouble a little bit I think you know you remember that my first few months he wasn't so sure of me but I don't remember (laughs) so um but I uh I persevered I prayed for perseverance and I persevered through the program and I've been changing since then um I um I will say um life challenge provides like a bubble for us and it keeps the worldly distractions away so we can draw closer to God and um, I mean, I've learned more of the word and scripture and these this last past few months than I have in my whole life. Um, I've accepted Jesus into my life as my personal Lord and Savior, and I've been baptized. And um, you had a pass recently. Uh, got to spend some time with your kids and looking forward to being the dad that you need to be and want to be. What would you do with one of your boys uh, on pass a few weeks ago? That was a first for you. Okay, so it was just this um, This last week I had pass. I got to spend it with my boys. And um, like I was sharing with Pastor Jeff, I, uh, I enjoyed just evangelizing as a parent with my boys. And I got to pray with them, and I enjoyed it. It was the first time I ever got to do it. So um, I'm kind of excited about it. Amen. Thanks, Adam. Tim, praise the Lord. He used you and your family and uh, the men of this church, man in green, whoever you are, you were part of that squad, man. (laughs) Brian, come here. Just call him man in green from now on. (laughs) 
you knew it. This is my bodyguard. So if you get out of line, man, will you, will you help me? Yes. Of course. Okay, man. <laughs> this is Brian. Brian, how old are you? 31. 31. Give us a little of your story. Um, I was uh, born and raised in Livonia, Michigan. Um, just got into drugs and alcohol at a young age, trying to fit in, just um, fit in with the wrong crowd. Started when I was like 16, 17, and just kind of spiraled out of control. Now, now, you've got a decent family, you know, mom and dad uh, together, and, you know, Livonia, middle class, upper middle class, I mean. Yeah, um, from the outside looking in it, you know, it's fantastic. Um, but with any family, you know, there's always issues on the inside and stuff that, um, you know, we deal with on a daily basis that uh, some people don't see. So, um, and just coming from that kind of family background, it was very, um, normal for us to just kind of shove stuff down and, and just not really talk about our problems that much. And, um, you know, that didn't work for me. Um, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. Looking back now, um, you know, I can kind of see, you know, where I, you know, that fork in the road where I went left when everybody else went right. So, um, and here I am. So, you know, t uh, tell us about, you know, your 20s. Uh, <laughs> what was life like for you? Um, it was miserable. Um, it was... Uh, was very lost. Never really um, knew where I fit in. I had a hole um, in my heart, and I filled that with drugs and alcohol, and just you know anything, anything worldly um, is is what I s was was seeking. And I w I grew up in the Catholic Church um, from a young age, and uh, and just over time, you know, my mom tried to hold it all together, but we all just kind of drifted apart, and uh, um, so I I, w I wasn't connected to God at all anymore, and. Uh, mad at him for a long time why, why were you mad at him just you know um you know why you know the the typical why me question you know why do i have to deal with this why is my life going why can't i stop you know um and i just didn't understand that um i can't can't do it on my own i mean i tried for 10 years so y you know i i had a, a gentleman come to me between services i don't know that he's here now if he is that's fine but he, he was very honest with me and shared something which I appreciated. You know, we, we hear all about this drug epidemic. You know, you can't not listen to the news and not hear something about. Um, and sometimes we can develop, you know, characterizations, you know, of dumb people, you know, just knock it off. You're killing yourself and, you know, these are real people. Um, we all have issues. You know, it might not be drugs or alcohol, and we get stuck. We get stuck. And Brian was stuck. How did you start finding a way out? How'd you, how how have you been getting unstuck? Um, well, it started when my son was born um, in 2016, September. Um, I had been clean. Um, I've been with his mom for about six years, and relapsed a couple times, you know, just like real small stuff, and um, and uh, when he was born, it was just, it was so overwhelming, um, the happiness, and then just how hard it was, and I just realized that I was not, not ready, and there was something missing, and um, when I relapsed, um, it was bad, uh, it was only a couple months that I was back out there, but um, I, I, you know, I had lost, when it was all said and done, I had lost everything, um, and uh, I was in and out of hospitals, homeless, had sold all my possessions. And um, just, um, you know, all I had left was my, my family, my mom and my dad. And they kind of just uh, fought for me. Um, my mom had gotten back into um, Bible study in church in the last year. And she and uh, all her friends were praying for me, um, praying moms. Yeah. Um, so uh, she had mentioned... Uh, this program um, on a few occasions when I was in the hospital and I fought it you know a year program is, is it's very overwhelming for somebody who just lives day to day trying to get through the day um, and uh, eventually I just you know I didn't have any other options it was it was either that or um, you know I never see my son again and, and I just couldn't do it anymore so yeah here I am so you've been with us again how long uh, going to my ninth month and what's happened uh, in your journey well, um, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior back in December. 
So after being here for a month, and uh, things, uh, I've been uh, I've been on fire for God ever since. And uh, about a month ago, I um, I decided to go back and fight for visitation rights for my son again. I felt like I was in a good place to, you know, um, uh, file a motion for that. And no more than two weeks later, I got uh, something in the mail. Um, it was a warrant for my arrest. So um, it was pretty serious, and uh, it rocked my world. I was looking at prison time, a lot of like a lengthy prison time, and um, I, I received a revelation from God. At least that's what I, th- looking back now, I can kind of see it. And He said, "If you stay faithful, I'll stay faithful to you." And um, I had to go turn myself in because you can't be in this program when you're when you have outstanding warrants. And um, I spent ten days in jail. Um, they set my bond so high, my parents couldn't pay it, and then um, they they blessed me with a lawyer that was able to get it reduced, and I got out on a tether. And um, this past Thursday, I went to court for my uh, preliminary exam, and they dismissed all the charges. By the way, uh, Pastor Carlos is a former probation officer, so he understands these things. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Brian is getting it together. And uh, the motivating force for him, a two-year-old son. I got to be a dad now. And uh, just pray for Brian. Would, would some of you pray for this man, that he be the man that God's called him to be, so he can be the daddy God's called him to be? So, amen. You guys ready to sing? Let's do it. Hallelujah. Well, come on. Let's give God praise again for these men and ladies up here. Come on. This... Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Give God some praise. Come on. Come on, people of God. Give God a shout for that. He is saving lives every day. We thank you, Jesus, for that. We're going to keep on singing about Jesus today. I hope we're in the right place. Hallelujah. We're going to be singing. Listen, we got the words on the wall. You can sing with us. This is called All My Hope because all of our hope is in who? Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Come on now. One, two, three. One, two, three. Go. I've been held by the Savior. Come on, choir. I've been held by the Savior. prison. Come on, choir, sing it. I'm no stranger to prison. I've worn shackles and chains. I've been freed and forgiven again. I've been freed and forgiven. Come on. I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. Come on, thanks. There's a kind of thing that just breaks a man, breaks him down, breaks him down to his knees. Oh, Lord, God, I've been broken more than a time or two. Yes, Lord. And then he picked me up. I said, he picked me up. I said, he picked me up and showed me what it means to be a man.
Just the voices, just the voices. Oh, my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone. Oh, my sins are forgiven. And I've been Praise the Lord. Give a shout to the Lord. Good morning, Rock Church. My name is Jordan. I'm uh, 19 years old. I've been in the program for coming up on nine months, about the same time as Brian. Um, I would just like to give a shout out to all the praying mamas out there because I'm a product of a praying mama. The reason I'm standing here today is because when I was ripping and running, my mom was on her knees praying for me. So all the praying mamas, God is listening, he hears you, and he's already working on it. But um, I would like to share a little bit of my testimony with you in the form of spoken word poetry. <clears throat> Seems like it was just last weekend that I was laughing, singing, turned the music up, and lived my life without thinking. Brokenhearted, separated, desperation, lost in contemplation, going real fast, but without a destination. My mind was racing. I was drunk up in the basement, licking, never chasing it, and no plans on changing it. Man, I was laid out on the pavement, waiting for Satan to come collect upon his payment. Convinced myself, I'm too poor for his greatness. Convinced myself, I'm too far gone to try and make it. Convinced myself, it's been too long to try and change it. I was crying, screaming, heart beating as the darkness creeped in. I saw my life slipping away, but chose not to believe it. I have myself convinced that this is only a season. My mom said to find Jesus. I said that I don't need him. I carry around these heavy chains but wear a smile on my face because I had a place of escape with the drugs inside my veins. Diluted with the illusions I was choosing. I alluded to losing with the drugs that I was using. I overdosed, turned my face blue, and I put my moms through it. But then my Savior gathered on my broken pieces. Gave me strength inside my weakness to claim the name Jesus. And he's steadily testing me, manifesting the best to me for the rest to see. Painstakingly raking me like an autumn leaf, when truthfully I ought to be. Cooked in the pits of hell, burnt for the rest to smell, damned for the rest to tell. You shouldn't walk like me, talk like me, think like me, or even really try and be like me. You see, if you looked into my eyes, you would realize the real lies that I used to tell. And it caused a divide between me and the divine. Felt like I was walking the line, but really, I'm just out of my mind. Taking all these hallucinogenics, started to make a connection between my thoughts and Lucifer's message. I started to believe his intentions, and it started to change my direction. But then I closed my eyes and prayed a prayer of repentance. And it might sound crazy, but Jesus Christ has made my life amazing. And you may have noticed lately that my life is changing. And it's not always gravy, but I'll make it through this life with the grace he gave me. Through faith, he saved me, no longer Satan's baby. You see, I didn't understand the difference between religion and being a Christian. I used to call it ignorance, but I was the hedonistic simpleton, too blind to see freedom and submission and discipline. But then I quit talking and started listening, began to search my heart for all that I could give to him. Now I'm on my knees learning what forgiveness is, and I'm so certain that he's still soul-searching. So don't close curtains if you're not perfect, because I promise that your soul's worth it. It's God be the glory. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. Just want to introduce you very quickly to the rest of the team. And by the way, uh, at any given time, we're accommodating between 50 and 75 residents between our two residential campuses, Detroit and Flint. We also have a crisis office here in the Toledo area. And um, every week we're traveling. And by the way, get the word out. If there are other doors you can open for us here in this area, other churches, this is what we do. If we are given a 10-minute window, we'll take it. If we're given a 40-minute window, we'll take it. We just want to spread 
um, the news that there's hope, that there's a way out for those in addiction. Um, by the way, uh, the rest of our gals, raise your hand back there. Those are our gals. And Debbie, raise your hand. Debbie has been on staff with me uh, about 50 years, right? Minus 30, uh, 20 plus. She's just uh, been a tiger, and I just so much appreciate her. Rochelle is one of our interns. Raise your hand. And of course, I can't forget my lovely wife of 28 plus years. Raise your hand, Lori. Got a couple of other guys over here. Raise your hand, gentlemen. This is? Roberta. And you've been with us how long? Five months. And how old are you? I'll be 49 tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow, good, good. This is? Elizabeth. And you are how old? 19. And you've been here how long? Less than a month. Less than a month, so she's fresh off the skids. How you doing, by the way? I'm good. You're good? All right. Just checking. What's your name? Fire. And how old are you? 31. And you've been here how long? Four months. Four months. Amen. Your name, young man? Sean. And how old are you? 47. And Sean is from the great uh, city of Chicago as well, right? Come here a second. This is Ryan. Uh, Ryan, you're from this uh, state, aren't you? Yeah. What city? Delta, Ohio. Anyone know where Delta, Ohio is? Come on. And uh, you've been with us how long? About six weeks. Six weeks? So you're kind of fresh off the skids, too. How you doing? Feeling great. You're good. Uh, he had a brother-in-law go through the program. Will you tell us uh, why that was a motivation for you? Well, seeing somebody actually complete the program and see the changes in their life, it really sparked a change in my life and wanting to... Uh, the motivation and wanting to have the same thing he does. What you been struggling with? Um, heroin, crack cocaine, about anything you could think of. And how long? Probably 12, 13 years old. So it's been about 13 years. Um, uh, you've got a couple of girls. Yes. And how old are they? Um, I have uh, my youngest just turned six yesterday, and then I have a about to be a nine-year-old. Yeah. Yep. So Ryan is here. Not just for him, but for those little girls. Um, and uh, you've also got somebody special to my left. Yeah, my mom. She's sitting over there in the dress over there. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Rye. All right. And this is? Catherine. And how long you been with us? Two months. Two months? How you doing, by the way? Um, better. Better. That's good. That's good. And you are? Anne. How old are you? 57. 57. 57. It's never too late. By the way, there's no wasted pain in God's economy. I tell our folks, God is the master recycler. And he recycles all that stuff and makes it fresh. Where'd my other guy go? There's Ryan. Wave to him. You're from this uh, state, too. Aren't you from Toledo? Bowling Green, Ohio. Bowling Green, Ohio. <laughs> Anyone ever hear of Bowling Green? By the way, remember that crazy blizzard in 78, was it? I wound up at the Bowling Green Armory. My dad was crazy. He said, you know, we had a week vacation in Florida. He said, we're going to Florida. And 75 shut down, and we wound up in Bowling Green, Ohio. So God bless those people. Go for it, Pat. Hallelujah. Well, we, we love hearing the stories that these uh, fine ladies and men have to tell. And if you look to your right and to your left, we all have stories. I mean, I have a story, pastor has a story, and, you know, the, but the, the, the thing in this story, in all of our stories, there's one common factor, his name is Jesus. He saved us, he delivered us, there wouldn't be a story without him, and it's called My Story. If I told you my story, you would hear, and wouldn't let go. If I told you my story, you would hear, love, 
never gave up. And if, and if I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't mine. Come on, choir, here we go. If I should speak, then I let it be of the grace that is greater than all my. Come on. Of when justice was served and when mercy wicked. of Jesus, come and draw. If I told you my story, you would hear life overcome. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin. Of when justice was served and when mercy. Thank you so much. So thankful that we have people that can sing because I can't, and so appreciate that. Uh, anyways, my name is Martin Hall. I am the director of the Crisis Referral Center here in Toledo, northwest Ohio, southeast Michigan. Uh, a few of these individuals, uh, I've been able to have the pleasure of being able to be a part of their life and being able to see them come into our program. Uh, so I am so passionate about Life Challenge. I'm so passionate about uh, just what God can do in somebody's life. I'm somebody that was broken. Uh, I, was, I was raised uh, in the foster system. I went through child abuse, and then my, my sister and I were separated. Uh, I went through the foster system for about three years. Uh, I went through upwards of 30 homes, 
and uh, and finally landed in a home that uh, that believed in Jesus. And within a year of them uh, getting me, they they adopted me. Uh, and um, so when I graduated from high school, I met my my uh, natural family again, uh, and and went back to them. And they were all drug addicts and alcoholics. And so they introduced me to uh, a life of of drugs and alcohol. And uh, and I just became a professional drug addict. If there was one thing that I was good at, it was good. I was good at manipulating people, and I was good at getting high. I actually had two full-time jobs: one to pay for my drugs, one to pay my bills. So I was uh, I was fully functional. Uh, and so, um, at one point, somebody dared me to go sober for 24 hours. And they're like, "Can you do it?" And I'm like, "Of course I can do it." Well, within, within 24 hours, I had actually tried to commit suicide. I was living in my drug dealer's basement at the time. He found me in a puddle of blood, and he was like, dude, you cannot do that here. You've got to go. And so um, I reached out to my adopted family and asked them for help. And so, again, I'll do the Michigan thing as well, too. So I grew up on the, on the west side of the state of, of Michigan, and, and they sent me to Detroit to get off of drugs. And, and from there, uh, I was introduced to Jesus, and, and I came into Life Challenge. Uh, I was pretty broken. If anybody knows what Marilyn Manson looks like, that's kind of what I looked like when I came in. Dyed black hair, uh, piercings, hated everybody. And uh, so um, my goal was to learn how to live sober. I just, I was going to give myself three months. I said, so so we are a program and and we have rules. Uh, So I came in with my own program and my program was I'm going to be here for three months. I'm going to learn how to live sober. Uh, But it didn't quite work out that way. So uh, after after six months in, I got kicked out my first time. <laughs> then they allowed me to come back a second time, and, and I was promptly kicked out like three weeks later again. Uh, and then uh, after my mom begged for two to three weeks, I don't know how long she, she, she was on Pastor Jeff's phone, like regularly, uh, she, he, he graciously allowed me to come back a third time. And at that point, the staff was like, are you kidding me? You're punishing us. So, uh, I mean, like, they, I, was, I, was a, I was a handful. Um, most, of the, most of the residents, when I, when I go in to preach on a monthly basis now, I have to apologize for all the rules that they have to put up with because about 50% of them are my fault. <laughs> you, you know, when you, when you do something wrong and somebody is not identified and somebody's it's like, you can't do that, I'm like, well, we need to make a rule on that. So I was that guy <laughs> that they were like, okay, we need to make rules. But, um, but anyways, uh, in, my, in my 10th month, uh, I, I, I was studying in, in uh, we, so we are an academic program. Uh, it's no joke when, when somebody comes in, we get chapel five days a week, and then we have two one-hour courses of classes. Uh, in, in, in that, uh, we learn about the Bible, and we read the Bible. And, you know, if you try and bring in other books, we're told we have 66 books you can read from. They're in the Bible. <laughs> so, you know, you, 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 you read that and, and you memorize the Bible. And so one of, the, one of the things that I ran across was a verse in Ephesians. Uh, Paul writes to the church, Ephesians 2.10, he says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. And literally, we are being, through, through our experiences, God is conforming us into the image of his son, Jesus. Yeah. And because of that, he actually wrote out, before he created the world, before he ever said, let there be light, he actually created a plan for each individual person, and he had wrote out a plan for our lives. And so when I realized that, and, and I started looking at that, and I, I actually did a little extracurricular work, which was unusual, because I'm lazy, and I did the least amount that I could to be able to, you know, to, be able to, to get through in this program. And, and I actually wrote out everything that I had done, and, and, and when I looked at, at the four pages, I was 26, so I didn't really... I hadn't done a ton of stuff that was good. Actually, I did nothing that was good. There was one thing that on that list that I looked at that I was like, okay, maybe God would want somebody to do that, and that was graduate from high school. Uh, I hadn't completed anything. I got kicked out of the military. I, got, I, I couldn't, couldn't stay uh, long-term with jobs. I, I, I couldn't stay with, with relationships. I destroyed everybody that I met. And um, so, so I looked at that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, if, if God really wrote out something for me to do, and this is what I'm doing. I'm in trouble. And so I submitted my life at that point and, and allowed God to, to really uh, come in and, and change my life. And one of the things I knew that, that, this, that, that this God thing was real was all of a sudden I started taking other people seriously and, and realizing that they were created in the image of Christ. And, and, and I started placing value. And it was God placing value on other people that, that he created and that he allowed to be in my life. And so 
from there, um, God started doing something amazing in my life. And so uh, when I graduated, it took me 13 months to get through the 12-month program. When I graduated, I, I, I didn't want to go back to Grand Rapids, Michigan, because I would die. I knew I would die if I went back, because I had only taken this 12-month program four of the months seriously. And so uh, I begged Pastor Jeff if I could stay on as an intern, which means that you work for an additional six months for free at the time. I think we pay our interns now. So, uh, But back then, it was, I was like, okay, can I, can I do this in... And I actually had mentioned something to an, another staff member, like, hey, you know, I, th I think they'll let me, you know, work, you know, in, in, as an intern. And he's like, why would you think that? Nobody likes you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, let, let, me try, let me try and do this. So after three weeks of just really begging Pastor Jeff to, to let me stay on, um, he relented and, and allowed me to, to stay on as an intern. About halfway through, uh, I asked to stay on as a staff member for an additional year. Uh, and uh, that was that time when... Uh, Darla, if you would raise your hand. So that's my wife. She came to work in the women's division uh, like two months after I started on as staff. Uh, Eleven months later, we got married. We've been it, this uh, uh, July. It'll be 19 years that we've been married. Uh, so um, we have been able to be participants, uh, you know, on and off with with Life Challenge. Uh, we were part, did a little bit of church planting and, and working with with church planters. Uh, but our focus has really just been wanting to, to be in ministry and, and introduce people to uh, Christ. This summer, uh, we, my wife and I are both in our process of getting our credentials. So we've made our daughters tell us that they're going to have to call us Pastor Mom and Pastor Dad by the end of the year. Uh, they, they haven't agreed to that yet. So, uh, but anyways, uh, so uh, about three years ago, I was, I was in contact with, with Pastor Jeff. Over the, the last 20 years, he's been my mentor, and, and we've continually you know, been talking. And about three years ago, we had this conversation about what was going on here in Toledo. And many of you know, I mean, I can almost pull you one by one. You know somebody that has dealt with addiction, or you know somebody that has a family member or a friend that's going through it. This heroin epidemic, this opiate epidemic, has touched every life in our community. And so uh, he told me about what was going on, and, and uh, God really started moving in my heart. And, and, uh, and, and so I quit my job up in, uh, up in Royal Oak, Michigan, and uh, I, I moved my family down to the Monroe County area so that I could be hands-on and be uh, somebody that can help individuals come into Life Challenge. And so we established the, the Crisis Referral Center here in Toledo uh, this August. Uh, it'll be three years since we've started that. We've had over 170 individuals that have come into Life Challenge that's come into either Detroit or, or Flint. Those are our two main campuses. I've also helped individuals get into Columbus, Muskegon, Willard, uh, Minnesota. So there's multiple teen challenges. What I do is, is I help individuals find out what the best fit is going to be for them. And I want to be able to fast track them. I want to be able to remove every obstacle that would stand in somebody's way to be able to get help. I want to be able to remove that. Yeah. And so that's why I'm here uh, establishing a, a teen challenge here in, in Toledo. Our goal is right now what we're, we're trying to do is find a house to be able to house women that they can come in from anywhere from 7 to 30 days to be able to get them off the street, get them out of the, the vulnerable positions that they're in, be able to empower them to be able to go through the detox center, be able to place uh, you know, their children where they need to be, uh, to be able to kind of get them so that they don't have to focus on that, and then get them into the residential program. Long term, we want to have a full residential program here in Toledo, uh, but it's going to start with a house uh, at some point here. I'm hoping within uh, the next within the next 12 months that we're going to actually have a housing center right here. So anyways, thank you. Thank you, Martin. If you would, take your Bibles or your smart devices, and we're going to be in Matthew for just a couple more minutes before we close the service. Matthew chapter 18. Thank you, Jordan. And um, I do want to encourage you to stop by our booth, pick up some literature. You never know who you might run into, who needs the kind of help that we have to offer. Uh, we do offer up to 12 months of residential services. It's intense. We are a very, very structured program. We sequester people. They can't, in other words, come and go freely. And it's very gospel-driven, gospel-centered. We want them in the word. Uh, our goal is that they encounter God and that they embrace their destiny, their God-given destiny. Um, so please pick up some literature. Um, and as you know, 
You can't do ministry without money. We are a parachurch ministry. That means we are an arm of the local church, which is you and other churches that are vested in the mission of reaching out to those who are broken. We are faith-based, nonprofit. We receive no federal, state, or local monies. And uh, I just want to invite you to make a difference in somebody's life. We've got a program called Sponsor Life, something akin to Compassion International. Do we have any, like, Compassion sponsors out there? You got a, a kid or two? Yep, yep. Lori and I have a couple of kids. It's easy peasy, automatic withdrawal from our checking account. We've had these kids for years. Uh, same kind of thing. You'll get connected with one of our residents. Got a picture of Adam here. You'll have a little of his story. You'll get to write him if you care. We do keep, you know, your personal information private, so we secure that. Um, but we really need your help. They don't get the money themselves. It takes a good 20 sponsors per individual just to do what we do. So you can be one of those. So you not only help us financially as a whole, but you get connected. You know, and I love those prayers, God help them at Life Challenge. And I love the laser prayers. And God help Adam. Just, just may he be encouraged. He's got a couple of sons that need him. So may he not let go. May he hold tight. May his faith not fail. So if you're at all interested in considering, man, we really would appreciate your help. Guys, if you'd just go and just raise your hand and they'll get you uh, a brochure. Thank you again, Pastor Carlos, for the opportunity. And it's just great to be here this morning. Matthew chapter 18, first four verses. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Of heaven. Heavenly Father, in these final moments of our worship, I pray that your word would go forth and spread rapidly. I pray, Lord, for those who are right now struggling with a drug and or alcohol addiction. Lord, I pray that you would bring hope to them. Give them wisdom and the courage to act on that wisdom. And Lord, those of us who, who know of others that are struggling with a drug and or alcohol addiction a friend, a family member, someone we work with. God, just give us the wisdom as to how to, to be your emissary, how, how to be your witness, how to be your conduit of grace. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. The two, at least two of the most important words you can ever utter and say, I can't. I know we're told, I can. I can do all things through Christ. I get that. I believe that. That's another sermon. Pastor Carlos has already preached that, I'm sure. I want to talk about the flip. I can't. I can't. You know, just second hour worship, that was great, by the way. You got a great set of musicians and band members, singers. I just love it. And God was meeting us. I have to confess, though, I was praying, God, help me. Help me to enter in. I can't do the most basic things, including worship. I can't sleep without a stop. I mean, how hard can it be to sleep? I'm on my bed. Jesus, help me sleep right now. I can't drive without his grace. I'm type A, and I get a little worked up. People are hanging out, you know, in the, the passer lane. I'm thinking, like, Exercise some EQ here, okay? I'm in a mall, you know, and I'm seeing things happen. Like, you know, why are you going to that shop? That's the last thing you need. You need that's the last thing you need to be ingesting in your body right now, honey, okay? It's like, and the judger comes out. All kinds of stuff comes out, and I don't like it about me. A few years back, we're playing phase 10. I've got four sons. Two are now married one pastor's in Dayton, Ohio, okay, at Christian Life Center. He's a middle school pastor. Um, 
But, you know, I had all the boys under my roof at that time. They're back from college. I mean, this is great. We've got the cider going, Christmas music. We're all around the table. We're playing phase 10. And some chemistry started happening. Does that ever go on in your household? And we got a little competitiveness in the Bonsalar household. And two of the boys were starting to quabble. Lori, my wife, she's very deliberate and intentional in her playing. And I'm thinking, come on, play, play, get going. And before you know it, I, I lost it. And I just exploded. And then I wound up in the garage just to cool down. And I'm thinking, this is, this is insane. I can't even play phase 10 without Jesus's help. <laughs> Jesus said, unless you change and become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom. By becoming like a little child, it doesn't mean, you know, cutesy. It doesn't mean gullible. It doesn't mean innocent. He explains in verse 4. It's about humbling yourself. That word humble, by the way, means to become depressed. What's that prefix D do? Like to a dehumidifier, a defroster? What's the D do? It withdraws. It takes it away, okay? Except you become depressed. You know, pride, we get kind of puffed up. I got to be depressed, deflated. Except you humble yourself. You'll never enter the kingdom. We've got it all backwards. You know, we think that growing up is a matter of gaining more and more independence. And I get that as a parent. You know, I was glad when my kids learned to tie their own shoes, when they learned to put on their own, you know, pants, when they learned how to bathe themselves. I, that, that's good. But everything in the kingdom is upside down. You want to get, you have to give. You want to be first, you got to be. You want to be free, you got to be a slave. And Jesus says, you know, the only way into the kingdom is by growing down, not growing up. You know, we, we say to people, stop acting like a baby. Jesus is saying, you better start acting like a baby. Now take that in context. Except you become like little children. It's about growing in dependence. God help me. I can't drive without your grace. I might snap. I might do something dumb. I might upset somebody's day, and that, that person's going to upset potentially 20 other people because, you know, it's kind of a chain reaction. Just, Lord, please help me when I play phase 10. Just please help me to enjoy the moment. I need you. I can't do this thing called life. I was sharing in first service how I attended a minister's conference years ago, and we were at a table with some, uh, some, some new ministers that I'd recently met. One of the guys had hair my color. Okay, this is like 25 years ago, and I could tell he had some miles on him. He's had some experience, and I wanted to tap into it. You know, Pastor, what can you tell me? What have you learned? What can you teach a young buck like me? He said, Jeff, I've learned that I can't do anything without Jesus. And I got to tell you, as a 31-year-old, I was kind of disappointed with his response. I'm looking for a John Maxwell nugget. <laughs> yeah, I know that. You know, I've been saved, you know, since I was eight years of age. I know. At 54, I'm starting to appreciate what he said. I can't do it. Everything God ordains or orchestrates into your life is to bring you down. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. 2 Corinthians, by the way, is a really personal book. And Paul talks about all his afflictions, trials, troubles, all the turbulence that he's been in. And he says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 9, he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. It's not about self-reliance. It's about God reliance. Lord, help me to lean on you, to trust in you. I grew up in a, 
in an AG church, and we used to sing all the time. Some of you old timers maybe remember this song. Crowder maybe has put it, you know, to something new. I love Dave Crowder, okay? But leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Well, what's that mean? It's old-fashioned for saying just, just learn to rely, learn to trust. God, I need you. I still remember when we had little kids, hell broke out on Sunday mornings. Every Sunday morning, I could plan on hell breaking. Does that ever happen to you guys? Like, if anything can go wrong, it'll happen on Sunday morning. Jesus, help me. Help this family. Help us to keep control. Jesus, we want to get to the house of God in one piece without, you know. Jesus, we need you. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. I want to invite you to lean into God a little harder, a little longer, to loosen control, to loosen control of every arena of your life and to say, God, take over. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll do what? He'll direct your path and make it straight. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we've had. Help us to get off ourselves. Help us to become depressed people. Deflate us, God. We're so puffed up. We don't have this. We don't have that. We ain't got it, Lord. I know that's bad English, but we ain't got it. We're needy people. Lord, may we be the God-relying people you've designed us to be, and then, Lord, things will work out as we trust in you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.